That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Because I believe that as the body of Christ, this is not your normal little Bible study. And if you came here tonight feeling like uh, you hope that it was short and there's a couple of nice little verses and then you can go home and make a check mark, um, this is not the place for that. Because we are a radical group of believers who understand who we are in Christ. And that's a progressive thing. But I want to talk to you tonight about spiritual authority, how to get spiritual authority as sons and daughters. Um, I looked on ask.ask.com, and the definition of authority is, it's a position of control someone has over another person or group. And while that is an interesting definition, authority can only come from inside of you. It's not a title. Um, having a title and having authority are two totally different things. It was religious leaders with a title who made sure that Christ got crucified. And they thought that they had won because he died. On the third day, it became obvious who had authority when Christ rose from the grave. And the battle remains the same today as it was then. Because authority is something that you have to find for yourself. No one can give you authority. So I want to give you some of the ways that I found authority in the spirit realm as a son of God. You hear a lot of times our worship leaders, um, you hear even in the announcements sometimes, we talk about being sons and daughters. This is not a place where you're just a Christian. You have an identity. And we're committed to helping you understand what that identity is. Um, authority, you can tell who has authority by the fruit of their lives. So I wanna read a verse for you. It says, Matthew 7, 28, 29, it's out of the Amplified Bible. When Jesus had finished these sayings, he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount. The crowds were astonished and overwhelmed with bewildered wonder at his teaching, for he was teaching as one who had and was authority, and not as did the scribes. Your life is meant to be that of one who is authority. We have a lot of religious leaders today, I've been one of those before, who can quote good verses and give a nice devotion, but it has no authority because there's no transformation that comes behind it. And I can guarantee you that for many of us, um, we, we do have an enemy and he is totally unimpressed with that and delighted whenever we sit in a place that lacks authority. Eric's been teaching about authority, actually, because revelation is what creates authority. He's been giving some powerful naf nuggets of revelation, and I realized today the way that you spell nuggets is K-N-U-G-G-E-T-S, naf nuggets, because his name is K-N-O-P-F. So Nuff nuggets can be used in transforming your mind if you take notes and meditate on them. 
But if you just come here Thursday night after Thursday night, Eric says things and you're like, wow, that was really good. You take no notes. You go home, you never really think about it. You don't meditate on it. Um, you're gonna have a boring life. And that is not what you were born for. What you were born for was what you saw on the screen. It's the early mornings. You were born to pay a price. You were born to go after truth. So I wanna talk to you a little bit about that tonight because as believers, our authority is never greater than the level of intimacy that we have with God. It's not your Bible knowledge. Bible knowledge is great, but it's only powerful if it produces love and a heightened sense of identity. Um, I, today, as I was getting ready for this, God gave me a perfect illustration and I was horrified when he did that. And uh, he asked me to show you a picture that I've only shown about eight people so, Derek, if you can put the picture up. There you go. For those of you who wonder why I shaved my head, your questions should now be answered. For those of you who think that showing a shirtless picture of myself might cause someone to lust, I beg to respectfully disagree. I think you're all safe. Um, and I have a thought for you. Most of us can't stop looking at embarrassing pictures from our past long enough to develop a picture for where you're going. And you let the enemy remind you of your pictures from your past when you ought to be looking at the picture of your future. Because you were born for greatness. I know that was a Nike commercial but it, it said it way better than I could. So I'm gonna leave that picture up there for a little bit. <laughs> I wanted to look different in 2000. That was when I moved here, because that's the way I looked when I moved here. I wanted to look different badly. I was 44 years old, but I was ashamed at what I looked at, looked like without my clothes on. And for many of us as Christians, we so want to be a person who has significance. We want to live a life that matters. And we want to be the real deal. But it's hard for us to stop looking at old pictures. And it's also hard to figure out, where do I go? How do I get there? So I want to tell you some of the things that I did, because um, I don't look like that anymore without my shirt on. <laughs> I had to change some things. I had to change my diet. I had to get into a regular schedule of working out. I had to prioritize it. And I had to say no to old comfort zones and distractions that came my way. When I did that, these things happened. I felt like working out when I got there. I became comfortable at the gym because I used to walk in like so many people. Sometimes I'll see like an, an elderly person come in and I can tell they haven't done it very much. Their doctor probably told them if they want to live a longer life, they've got to go. So they're like creeping into the gym, hoping no one's going to see them. I always just want to yell and applaud. It's like, good for you. 
Sometimes I'll see a person who's very large. Um, we all, some of us have addictions that can be seen and some cannot, but people will come in who are fairly large. And I'm always going, wow, I admire that. You know, if you'll stay in here, I mean, I'll show you anything I can show you because you can reach your goals. All you have to do is just want it bad enough. Um, I became comfortable in the gym. I developed new habits, and I actually started getting to know the people who worked out at the same time I did. I met a, a guy who was 10 years younger than me, Jim Hundemer, and he asked me to be his workout partner. He was bigger than me. So that was pretty intimidating because he had real muscles, and I didn't. Uh, but I had a lot of tenacity, and I showed up regularly. And the longer that I worked out with Jim, he actually taught me form. You guys ever see guys in the gym who are, they're doing, they're pulling down for shoulders, but they'll put like 140 pounds on, grab the bar, and then throw their body down, you know? Trying, and so every time they go down, they'll pull their body down. They're, they're like an accident waiting to happen. That was me when I started. And Jim taught me to sit up straight, hold it like this, Put enough, on the, put enough weight on there to actually work for it, but not to put so much on that I couldn't actually pull it down to build something. And pretty soon I understood, understood what form was. He also started spotting me, which means when you're laying on the bench or incline or decline or whatever you're laying on, and you've done a couple of sets and it's time for your last set, and so you wanna go heavier because you wanna get bigger, you can't do that if you don't have a good spot. Because the weight that's gonna make you grow is a weight you can't lift by yourself. It's the same way in here, you guys. After two years of working out, um, and I felt like nothing was changing. <laughs> the reason I felt that way is because nothing was changing, I thought. And then one day it felt like overnight, like my muscles went poof and started popping out. And I was like, oh my goodness, it works. <laughs> I started confidently meeting people and I actually have met about probably 15 or 20 people at the gym who now go here or to our church. Becoming a real Christian, becoming the real deal works the very same way. If you'll start saying no to comfort zones, which is doing stuff on weekends, it doesn't really do much for you. Some of it you can't remember the next day. Some of it you wish you couldn't. <laughs> Just start coming. After a while, you'll feel like entering into worship. You won't feel comfortable sometimes here when we do worship because it's not just, you know, three songs and then we're done. It's actually experiencing the presence of God. Many of us really aren't that used to experiencing the presence. We're used to singing, and then we're done. Um, you won't be comfortable here until you show up more than once. You'll develop new habits, and slowly you'll get to know the people around you. If you'll look around and find somebody who's bigger than you think you are, pretty soon you'll start growing. At the gym, all my workout partners are bigger than me. I've never had one my size. <laughs> so I always look like the shrimp. 
But you know what I won't let happen? When they start going up five, I'm usually 15 or 20 behind them, but they're not leaving me behind. So they're lifting 140, I'm lifting 120. And if they go up to 145, I'll kill myself, but I'm going to 125. They are not getting more than 20 pounds ahead of me. That's what you got to do here, guys. Get next to somebody that you think is a heavyweight. I work out right now, I have three guys that I live with, and one of them is Shaddy that I work out with. The other one's Coleman and Saul. And I work out with Shaddy, and he lifts 20 pounds more than I do, 15 sometimes. And there is one, when we do back, uh, he only lifts five more than me. He's not here tonight, or I wouldn't say that. Because we, it's not that we're competitive, but a lot of times when, you know, he's going upstairs and we're all getting ready to go to bed for the night. It's like, hey, you gonna be able to make it in the morning? I mean, I could find somebody younger to work out with. He's like, uh, I was kind of worried about you. You think you're gonna be able to get up in the morning? <laughs> but I am able to maintain at 57 what I wanna look like because I choose my workout partners carefully. Okay, you can take that picture down. You'll develop your spiritual authority the very same way. Many of us come to God looking on the inside, much like that picture of me. It wasn't that different for Jesus when he was a boy. I'm going to read from Luke uh, 2, 45 through 52. And Jesus had gone on a trip with his parents. When they, and they went to Jerusalem started back, they were, they were on the trip back for a full day before the, his parents discovered that he was missing. So I don't know what that was about, but when they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And he said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And I want to tear this apart just a little bit. One, Jesus grew up in a family. We call it church. Uh, community is the buzzword right now, but the Bible calls it a family. If you don't choose to be part of the family of God, you will always be anemic in your faith. You can be a Christian for 20 years and you're still going to look like the picture I just showed you in your spiritual physique. This starts with accepting Christ as your savior and asking him to be Lord of your life, asking his blood to cover your sins. That begins your relationship with God as your father. Then you have to attach somewhere. And I'm telling you, if you skate in and you sit somewhere by yourself and then you skate back out as soon as it's over, you're never going to grow because you have to attach. And the enemy wants to 
harass you and torment you with thoughts that tell you if people really get to know me, if they know what I've done, if they know about my past, then I won't be accepted. If you're new here, keep coming back. Because almost every Thursday night, we have somebody give a testimony about their past and how Christ made a difference in their future. You're not going to find judgment here. Jesus was very aware of his heavenly father, and he lived from that identity, even when it wasn't understood by his earthly parents. You have to begin to develop your awareness of your heavenly father, and he is a father. Two, you need to develop your sense of identity. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He comes and lives within you. And he'll begin talking to you and telling you all kinds of amazing things about your future. Surround yourself with people who ponder the things of God in their hearts and aren't ashamed to talk about what he reveals. Here's what I found in the gym. If people don't work out that much or they're insecure, they'll like come in, do their little workout, whatever they figured out, and skate back out. And they usually don't ever speak to anybody. They're just like that. The more that people know what they're doing in the gym, it's typically guys with some muscle tone and gals. It's not just guys then I'll walk up and go, hey, how did you, what are you doing right there? Why? Because I want to get bigger. It works the same way with the Christian walk. The Bible says that his mom pondered things in her heart. Didn't say anything about his dad from there on out. So I don't know why it doesn't. But there's a good possibility that Jesus grew up like some of us. With a dad, it was kind of passive. I mean, think about it. You're Joseph. How do you explain Jesus? Uh, I'm not the father, and that, was, uh, that happened with God. You know, would that be embarrassing? As your understanding of who you are as a son of God develops... Don't expect everyone to understand it who's close to you. Intentionally choose your environment. Jesus was only 12 years old. He chose to go in the temple and he started asking questions of the leaders. And they were amazed at what came out of him. Do the same. If you have questions, ask. Because there's something inside of you that's great. Why do I know that? Because you have a creator. You have a father. He created you to specifically do something only you can do. And the only way you're going to find out what it is, is to develop a relationship with him and ask him. As you do that, he'll tell you. Let me ask you a question. I like to make people think. Think of your three closest friends. When was the last time you shared with them something God had shown you as you listened to what he was speaking to you about? And 
And if you don't have an answer, do they share those things with you? In the gym, you rarely see two people working out who aren't at about the same fitness level. Doesn't mean the same size, obviously, but it's the same level of commitment. The same's gonna be true for your life. So who are your friends? Also understand the life of submission to the Lordship of God. You don't hear a lot about Lordship in a lot of churches because it's kind of unpopular. Because the reason Lordship is unpopular, particularly in America where, hey, as long as you're not hurting anyone, why couldn't you do it? Lordship means you're not the boss. And we start saying about two, at two years of age, you're not the boss of me. I babysit enough two-year-olds occasionally to know that. And they have no problem trying to prove it to me. I'm going to read you Matthew 8, 5 through 10. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a Roman commander came to him. He asked Jesus for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home and can't move. He is suffering terribly. Jesus said, I will go and heal him. The commander replied, Lord, I'm not good enough to have you come into my house, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. I myself am a man under authority, and I have soldiers who obey my orders. I tell this one go and he goes. I tell that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He said to those following him, what I'm about to tell you is true. In Israel, I have not found anyone whose faith is so strong. The powerful words there are, I myself am a man under authority, and I have soldiers who obey my orders. If you're ever going to have an identity in Christ that's meaningful and powerful, you're going to have to submit to someone. It starts with Jesus, but he'll put somebody in your life that'll represent him. Not always well. So sometimes you'll have someone that you are submitting to who's imperfect. God's still going to honor the heart with which you serve that person. And the authority in your life will grow. The truth is, if you don't, if you're not submitted, you'll never be able to recognize other people who are. You will only be able to recognize authority in others to the level that you are personally submitted yourself. Does that make sense? You will only be able to recognize authority in others to the level that you are personally submitted yourself. Let me give you an example, because too many of you are looking at me like, what does that mean? It's kind of like, I don't know how many of you have wealthy friends. I have a few. And my friends who are truly wealthy um, don't have to walk around proving it. New money always has to make sure that you know 
how much money I really have. Real money, old money, doesn't have to prove a thing. Because they were born to it. When there was a guy who came and spoke at Capitol a couple of weeks ago. He was a man from India. I think he has 20 orphanages. And when he spoke, I recognized the authority that he had. Because I myself am a father of many people who are not biologically mine. So I understand the sacrifice that he makes to parent uh, young men and women that are not genetically his. Because when you get this little bundle of joy, like I saw a cat had her baby here tonight, I loved it. When you get your own little bundle of joy, you raise them up and you know them. And if they act a certain way, you understand that. When you take other people's, they didn't necessarily probably see them as a bundle of joy many times, that's why they're an orphan. And you start raising them, they rip your heart out sometimes because they're just hurt. So they're gonna hurt you to find out, will you still love me? And when he said, when he explained his value system, and he said how little money meant to him, if you'll just give me your money, I can take care of more kids. I understood that man's heart because I live at that level of submission. Now do you understand? It's like when you, when I see guys in the gym sometimes, they're all like some of the really big guys, they're the guys who wear the sweatshirts. Because the big, big guys don't gotta wear something to make sure you know how many muscles they have. Because they know what's under the sweatshirt. That's what I'm talking about. And as believers, when you know who you are, you don't, you don't even have to reach for the microphone. Because guys, this only lasts an hour to hour and a half. It's how I live during the week that determines if I even have anything to say when I get here. And if I talk tonight and it doesn't change your life, I'm okay with that because I'm changing lives outside of here. So if this doesn't work for you, coffee might, you know? That's what I mean by submission. The next one is to love truth. Love truth, that has such a ring to it, doesn't it? Love truth, that's deep. Let me tell you what love and truth is all about. Um, like today, I had eggs at 6.30 and I was hungry by about eight or nine. So I go into the kitchen and I, Saul has bought these hot and spicy Cheez-Its. <laughs> Saul, raise your hand. Oh, was that Coleman? I should have known. But he's the one I saw eating them. Those hot, hot and spicy Cheez-Its, 
those hot and spicy Cheez-Its were calling my name. And so I was like this, and the Holy Spirit's like, uh-uh. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. You're gonna talk to me about Cheez-Its? I'm, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to get ready for something for you today. Can I just have it? And he's like, uh-uh. Almonds. I'm like, almonds? It is not gonna taste like, no. I'm like, all right. So then about another hour, hour and a half, I was hungry again. And I'm a comfort food guy, so when I feel a little stressed, I'm, then I like to eat. And the Holy Spirit's like, no. No, 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 no. I'm like, okay. He goes, have a banana. I'm like, I mean, he cares about my, what I'm eating. This is stupid. <laughs> I had the banana. I had chicken at 1030. I never had the Cheez-Its. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing in the world. God is talking to me about Cheez-Its. And the Holy Spirit was like, yeah. I want you to learn to say no to yourself. Authority, you only have authority to the level that you can say no. And sometimes, guys, the only way that you can learn to say no is to be, to take off your shirt so everybody can see how skinny you are. You gotta be transparent. You gotta love truth. Yeah, I'm skinny, let, my ta let me take my shirt off. Because when you stop posturing and dressing yourself up and putting your perfume on and you know, your makeup and all that stuff, and you're just who you are when you get up, 5.30 in the morning, can be pretty scary. <laughs> but when people know you that way, if you lose all that other stuff, it ain't gonna matter to them because they chose you for who you really were. And what the enemy likes for Christians, he loves it when we come in and we act in church like we act in the world. You know, you're going out to the club on Friday nights, don't think I ain't ever done that or don't, don't know what it's like. What are you gonna wear? That little black dress? Some of us guys, we got that little black shirt. You know, we smell good and we got hair gel in, some of us. And uh, no, no, no. My friends, the ones that I count on, they know what I look like without, I mean, when I'm ugly. That's what God wants you to know. You're my son. At your ugliest, I love you. One of my spiritual sons lives in a different state. So he sent me a text yesterday. I was feeling down and I was, felt weak and I watched porn. And I feel horrible. I sent him a text back. I love you. With the emoticon that has the two little hearts for eyes. Yeah, I sent it. <laughs> Because the people who have changed my life 
are the people who loved me through the ugliest seasons of my life. That's why I have so much confidence in this man and that woman. They are not perfect, but they have loved me through some ugly times. And there are others in this room. I, feel, I am so blessed to have so many safe people in my life. If you'll come here and stay here and get to know people, this can be a safe place for you too. We have family night. It takes about three hours. We eat and then everybody goes around the table and we all talk about ourselves. It can be pretty intimidating because we talk real talk and at the end it's like, can you see anything I'm missing? That's a scary question because in our circle, people will tell you what you're missing. There's a lot of security in that too. The last one is risk. Ask God to do what looks impossible. Let me go back up. When I say love truth, I wanna encourage you to listen. Last Friday night, I facilitated an encounter. We have DNA on Friday nights. It's the first and third Friday night of every month. I totally encourage you to come no matter how long you've been here, old or new because you come here and you get a lot, but what I'm doing in DNA, I lead that, it's in my home. I'm very intentional in what I'm doing. I'm totally doing everything I can to pour back into this group of people all the things that have made us a strong ministry. Um, when I facilitated this, I asked the Holy Spirit, what are the lies that I'm believing that keep me from hearing you. This is what he told me. These things keep me silent when I'm hurting and they keep me unaware when I'm in pain and detached from my heart. These are the lies that the Holy Spirit told me. One lie is my feelings don't matter. Number two, others' hearts and pain always have to be put ahead of any needs that my own might have. Number three, I'm ultimately insignificant. Number four, I can absorb whatever pain comes my way. Number five, if I cry, I can't think. Therefore, I am unsafe. Number six, people become unstable when they are emotional. And number seven, swallow tears, don't cry them. Now you would think, I actually had someone tell me about three or four years ago, I'm kind of disappointed in you. I was like, really, why is that? You're like, well, I would think somebody who's known the Lord as long as you have wouldn't have so many issues. And I was like, no kidding. I get disappointed in myself. But it's when you can look. I listened. That's, I, facil I was facilitating the encounter, so I was the leader. And when I asked that question, those are the things the Holy Spirit told me. And then he had awesome truths to go behind those things because I want to get to the place where I'm strong enough to cry more often. Why did I share that? Because I don't know any other way to teach you. Why did I show you that hideous picture of my shirt? 
shirtless? Because I don't want you to forget. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do I look like without my shirt on? And then listen. Be unafraid. Because you're not going to see anything that God can't help you make whole in yourself. The last one is risk. Ask God to do what looks impossible with increasing levels of faith required. I was reading this chapter today and it it just struck me. It said, Jesus called for his 12 disciples to come to him. We read the Bible a lot of times, we don't really think it through. And I was imagining, you know, like John, Jesus like, hey, anybody know where all the guys are? And John was like, well, I'll go find them because everybody knows I'm closest to you. I mean, I'm always the one who is hugging you and Peter's like, forget you, man. I'm the one who's, I'm the one with a voice. I'm the big guy, everybody listens to me. I'll get them, Jesus. So he gets all the disciples together and this is, Jesus has a little training session. He gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every illness and sickness. And then he said, this part of his training, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Just a little assignment. It's the same assignment that we have today. It doesn't happen very many places, but it needs to. And we want it to happen more here. The only way that will happen is if we hunger for truth, if we do these things, if we seek him, because his word promises us, if we seek him, he will never let us down. This, then Jesus goes, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Imagine, I call you together. We all get together and I'm like, here's the deal. I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And I want you to take a trip. I mean, I can imagine the disciples, I didn't know we were gonna take a trip. I mean, I've got fishing at five. <laughs> then he says, Jesus goes, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home's undeserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. What the heck does that mean? If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that, shake the dust off your feet. And Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. A lot of times we think if we have authority, you know, if you have authority, you have favor. And that means you're going to have prosperity. That means you're going to get rich and you're going to have nice cars. You're going to live on the right side of town with a swimming pool. And you're going to take vacations, big vacations. And everybody you touch, that's just really... I don't see this in this benefits list. (laughs) And Jesus says, be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. 
When they arrest you, don't worry about it, what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking to you. So, as you ask God for spiritual authority and he begins to give it to you, he's gonna ask you to do great things, but it's also at great cost. The video you watched, it's early mornings. It's not hitting the snooze, it's getting up. It's asking the Holy Spirit to fall on you while you do something that seems so stupid, you hope no one finds out. Because God asks you not to eat the Cheez-Its. <laughs> I asked God today, why do you not want me to eat the Cheez-Its? And he was like, I wanna know, will you obey me on the little stuff? Because if you won't, I can't trust you with anything bigger. So my, my question for you, what did you risk this week as a son or a daughter to represent your father? Because if you're not risking much, you're not gonna grow in your identity. The word says, he who's forgiven much, loves much. Be unafraid. Ask God the questions that you're afraid to hear the answers to, because his answers will empower you. When the enemy comes against you with harassing, tormenting thoughts, or when things come from your past or people seem to bring pictures of your past, don't be afraid to look at those. Don't be afraid of the thoughts. Just don't keep them to yourself. Take your shirt off. Take it off in front of the right people. Because when I stand in front of people, you can smell freedom on people, can't you? You can tell who's free. Look into their face. Look at their confidence. Look at how they worship. Look at their countenance. The Bible says at the eye gate, you can look at someone's eye gate. Those are the people that you go to and go, I feel so skinny. How can I build my muscle mass? Because when you ask someone that question, I don't go to, to the little people at the gym when I want answers, I go to people who look like they know what they're talking about. Because no matter what you're sitting here with here tonight, oh, God has answers for you. He's got all the supplements. He's got protein. He's got a workout regimen for you. He's got workout partners. He's got people to spot you. You don't have to do anything alone unless you choose to. Be part of the family. Risk, rise and shine.